This is Thursday, December 23rd, just a couple of days from Christmas. And we've been looking at the promises of God. This week, it's God's promise to love us. And we've gone through some difficult territory, and that's where we start today. In his epic novel entitled East of Eden, John Steinbeck expresses profound insight about the fallout of childhood rejection. This is what he says. The greatest terror a child can have is that he is not loved, and rejection is the hell he fears. I think everyone in the world, to a large or small extent, has felt rejection. And with rejection comes anger, with anger some kind of crime and revenge for the rejection, and with the crime guilt. And there is the story of mankind. I think Steinbeck had it right. All of us have been scarred by the fear of rejection or abandonment. We wonder when it's all said and done, who will stick with us to the end? This past year, the most painful time that my wife and I had was sitting with my dad as his life was slipping away. We had a precious but painful week with him, standing watch and pouring love into his life until he took his final breath. It was what you might call a severe mercy, a painful gift being there with him and savoring those last moments. Sandy and I spent hours singing over my dad, his favorite hymns and songs. And one of the things we learned during those days was how few visitors come to see the residents there. We had a longing for each room to be filled with visitors. You see, the story that Steinbeck tells us is right, but I also think it is incomplete. Each of us begins with a sense of aloneness and a fear of remaining that way. As young people, we may measure our joy based on our relationships and to the extent that we matter to someone, to, to anyone really. We are looking for someone to love us as we are. We know the terror of ungrace, of not being noticed or chosen as a friend or even being left aside. We have a sense of how people see us, whether they step toward us or they step away. And sadly, we come to see ourselves based on the response of people toward us. We take up lives as orphans or strangers or outsiders. But God comes to us. He is determined to step toward us, to receive us, even to make room in his family for us. Here's a psalm of David rejoicing in this love of God. Psalm 36, 5-9. to Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God, People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Now notice the joy of this song. Elsewhere David has said that your father and mother may forsake you, but not the Lord. And the words of this song are chosen to teach us about the character of God the Lord who extends his love to us. 
First, his love goes to the moon and back. In the in God's eyes, you hang the moon, you might say. I admit, envision a man proposing to a woman and has a skywriter write his love in the sky. This is what God has done for his people. You see, the message is about the extent of God's love. For God so loved the world, John's Gospel tells us. That word for world in Greek means cosmos. Yes, it means universe. God's plan is to redeem and restore the universe through the work of Jesus. And indeed, his love reaches to the very heavens. In this love, God's justice and righteousness, they're not set aside, but rather they're established. I think David here has difficulty even speaking about this love. It's more expansive than the mighty seas. It's more glorious than all the starry host. How can you speak of it? That is why he says that that unfailing love is it's priceless. What can you compare to it? There are things with such value, that, but to speak of them is to cheapen them. And this is God's love. Here's a writer, Sean Norris, explaining. His love is unconditional. He loves us in our unloveliness. The cross shows us that there is nothing we can do to be accepted. It has been done for us. It also reveals there's nothing we can do to be rejected. The love of God breaks in from the outside and lays claim to us. Only in the light of complete and unconditional acceptance can we be realists, because then we realize that it's not up to us, and that is a very good thing. Yes, David says that God's love is like a great feast, and it's from the abundance of the Lord's own house. It is like a river that we come to drink from. Yes, you can drink from the river, but you're not going to exhaust its flow. It's far too great for that. You see, the other side of Steinbeck's explanation for sin and guilt and anger is this oversupplying, overflowing supply of love that comes from God. You see, Steinbeck tells us the story, but not the whole story. It is here in the light of the love of God that we see light. Another world is born, built not on our fears of rejection, but in the shadow of the wings of the Lord. Let's pray. Faithful God, you love us at the time you form us through every phase of our lives. And in Christ, you've opened the way for us to enjoy you, to come to you and to be secure in you. Remind us of your grace that you have laid claim to us, for in your name we pray, amen.